Well, ladies and gentlemen, it, it's been it's been a minute since we've actually been able to hang out with you, our our listeners, and by listeners we mean our parents and maybe our spouses and a couple of you who get into our DMs. Let us know that you are listening to our show, that you agree with our takes, or you vehemently disagree with our takes. Again, it's a real small sample size. But for those of you who have been listening to the Chris Tucent Eric podcast for the last season and a half we're kind of getting ready to round down the, the back end of season two here we've been on summer hiatus we've been on a little bit of, of summer vacation from the show where both uh, eric and i did a little bit of within ontario traveling to do some holidaying with our with our families and that meant that we took i guess what a week or two off eric i, I think it's been two so yeah two weeks but, off of, of the show yeah. and and you know what's crazy eric is Unlike it, unlike when people say that, you know, they're going on social media breaks, we went on a break and guess what happened? The world continued to do stuff. It did. It's like, you're like, you know, people do that like, hey guys, I'm just letting you know, I'm just, God's called me just to kind of step away from Facebook. And so I need you to know that. I need you to know that you're not going to see me post about my kids or about my smoking out wife or about my church or about my soul. I'll be back in a little bit. And guess what happens? The world keeps on spinning with or without you. And that's what happened with us. The world, while we went on a hiatus thinking that nothing's going to happen while the Christmas and there, because we are so important. Yeah. You know, what is that song? You're vain. You probably think this song is about you, that sort of thing. Like you're so vain. Look at it. In our vanity, we thought, well, the world would stop. But guess what? The world kept on moving and so we want to just kind of rapid fire hot take ourselves through things that we notice things that stood out to us things that we ended up uh texting to one another or in various group chats things that stood out to us because again in two weeks 14 or 15 whatever about days things continue to happen so eric i toss it to you first we're playing a proverbial game of zoom zoom catch what's a hot take what's something that stood out to you over the course of the two weeks that we were off so I've been watching the Olympics, which is, you know, I didn't actually think I was going to, I wasn't super into it when it yeah. was coming up. I was like, I don't think I'm going to be into it. It's in, you know, the timing, you know, I don't want to stay up that late or go that early or whatever. And of course now it's like, I'm watching it 11 o'clock at night. I'm up at seven in the morning, six in the morning. So watch the stuff because <laughs> I'm invested now. I mean, it's, right. it's how it goes. Um, so I'm going to, I was trying to decide which, which hot take I want to go with first. And I'll start with one that's probably a little bit spicy and I, and I don't mean for it to be super controversial and I, there's some oh, lines please. here, but let's, oh, let's go for it. So Simone Biles, amazing. We love her. She's great. Oh. Um, greatest of all time. Absolutely. A legend. There's a lot to get into there, but I think, I think it's interesting that the actual conversation about what was going on with her has been co-opted by a completely different conversation. Mm, expand on that. Expand yeah. on that. So it initially got framed. She pulled out of the event and it was framed as for mental health reasons. And I think people picked up on that idea, that phrase sort of mental health reasons. And they were like, well, you know, mental health is physical health and you know, you got to be able to do what you got to do. And I'm not an expert and I'm not a therapist. I'm not kind of getting into all that. Well, as it as the story began to actually evolve, and we got to get more information. We all learned about the, you know the twisties, which mean you know is this thing that happens to gymnasts where they 
can't aren't their mind isn't in tune with their body they don't know where they are when they're flipping it's a little bit like vertigo and you realize like oh that that's like incredibly incredibly dangerous if you're you know flipping in air and you actually don't know what direction you're going and she posted some videos on her instagram of her like practicing and whatever and you're realizing like oh she's not taking a day off because like she's not sticking around these events because you know she's feeling down or whatever it's like oh no because it's because like this is going on, and she if she does this, she could break her neck, she could die, she could severely injure herself. Like, and I'm not discounting the mental health conversation in any way. Like, I think they're absolutely related. I mean, I think for I, you know, I've seen some really um, wise sort of people who know saying, you know, events like the Olympics for somebody who's been through as much trauma related to gymnastics as Simone Biles has, going to the the Olympics and that whole experience and all the pressure that comes with it can be a severely triggering event, which could lead to something like this popping up at this particular time. So I'm not discounting any of that, but I think we just culturally, it seems like we got really quick to, okay, well, you know, Simone Biles is now the poster child for mental health days in the way that a lot of us think about, you know, mental health days. Like I didn't feel like getting out of bed this morning. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, it wasn't that Simone did not want to get out of bed this morning. It was that when Simone she got out of bed die. this morning and went to do her job, she was like, oh, I started doing my job. And like, you know, in the same way that if you're like an air traffic controller and you're like, I have a migraine, like I probably shouldn't be doing my job if I'm an air traffic controller and I have a migraine. Like, you know, it's like there's mm-hmm. certain things that you're doing where like, oh, if I'm not at peak capacity here, then I doing my job puts myself or other people at risk. And I need to step away from that. Um, so, and, and, um, cause I think it became a whole thing, you know, and there was people who were saying like, she was weak, didn't care about her country and all of this because it was like, you know, she, it, it got complicated, but I just think I, I, for me, it was like, oh, I think we're actually a little bit missing the point of the conversation that it's like, well, actually, you know, that, that there was, it was more complex. And I think it just showed that in society, we like to really jump to conclusions. We saw the word like mental health and then everybody had their opinion, who had their opinions on mental health already gave their opinions on mental health from both sides. And it's like, well, actually it's what Simone's talking about here is not the exact same thing as you immediately think of, you know, her, we, we extrapolate our own personal feelings and our preconceived notions and our own experience onto somebody else and allow them to represent that. And it's like her situation is completely unique to her. And she has to make the choice that she wants to make. Now, I mean, if she got up one day and it's like, actually, I don't feel like competing today. I, or I don't feel like I'm able to compete and she didn't have the twisties and she's just like, you know what, this isn't the thing I want to do. Well, more power to her. That she mm-hmm. can make that decision. But that's not what she did in this case. Yeah, like I, I think when I pay attention to to the story, I look at I I I look at how people like her, uh Gabby, I'm I'm, I'm uh, Gabby, I can't I'm, I'm blanking on her last name. Um from a couple of years prior, the the black woman athlete mm. um, gets crapped on in in a way that that doesn't happen with anybody else. And you know, there was a clip of years ago. I remember it was Atlanta '96. This one gym is for the for the United States of America. She runs and she and she does and she lands on a broken ankle essentially. Mm. Well, that's that's mental toughness. That's mental toughness. You go out there and you risk your life and you that's for your country. Right? And you're talking about Simone Biles, who was a part of the case against Larry Nasser for for sexual abuse and sexual trauma. 
in defense of other people for her country. Mm -hmm. And you forget. And, and so, so quickly how people forget, because my hot take is very similar to yours. My hot take is about Megan Rapino. Right. And, and I, I know a lot of people who do not like Megan Rapino, who do not like the American women's soccer team because they literally live in hubris. Well, greatness can, greatness gives you the opportunity to do that. When you win, I mean, look at the United States of America, you know, when you win <laughs> to the winners go the spoils, like you guys, like, you know, you, you, like we as Canadians, we live in this sort of idea of passive aggressive humility, right? Because mm -hmm. we're proud, but we're just, you know, we're, we're not braggy about it. Whereas the Americans are like, I'm going to use the euphemism, we're loud, we're proud, get used to it. Like Americas were doing that before any other subsect of people were doing that. America has been doing that since the jump. And so for the longest time, Megan Rapino, uh, Alex Morgan and others, like they've been living this loud sort of, we are the best soccer team in the world. And they have the hardware to prove that. Mm -hmm. So much so that there was a, an Instagram when they beat the Netherlands in the quarters to go to the semifinals against, against uh, Canada. If you watch the game, it, was, it, was, it came down to penalty kicks. Well, mm -hmm. Police Report, when they won, they had a, a drawing of the Americans pretty well like snubbing their noses at the Netherlands. When the Netherlands actually played a better game, they lost on penalty kicks. It's anyone's ball game at that yeah. point. Like you weren't great. You just lucked out on penalty kicks. Like don't brag on that sort of stuff. All that said, when the Americans lost to the Canadians who are now getting ready to play in, at least at the time of recording this, they're playing in the final, the gold medal game. We're recording this on Thursday. So Friday, I think it's Friday evening uh, or Friday morning. They're playing Friday morning, our time. So it's 8 a.m. Yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. So it's a Friday but... morning, our time, Eastern Standard Time. We're recording this on Thursday, and and the and the Americans they lose. And I remember I'm reading on Twitter the amount of people who are like, "Well, she was never an American to begin with. She's never been proud to be an American. She kneels at anthems." And I'm like, "Why don't you just call it for what it is?" Especially among evangelicals, you don't like the fact that she's gay. You don't like the fact that she's gay. You don't like the fact that she is um, that she's outspoken about LGBTQA rights. You don't like the fact that she's a vocal about Black Lives Matter rights. You don't like the fact of any of those sort of things. Mm -hmm. That's what makes her anti-American. And mind you, too, you had no problem with her doing being doing that and winning the World Cup in 2019. You had no problem with her being the exact same way and winning winning the olympics in 2006 you had no problem with that you only care about these things when they lose and it's just a reminder to me the hot take for me is man people suck and people people will use you to get what they want and throw you away when you don't give them what they want hmm. and it's just and and that's a that's a that's a huge oversimplification that is a huge general statement but you just kind of watch how megan who's been a, a a champion for the downtrodden to use a very strong church word mm -hmm. uh who's been a champion for that and who's also been a winner in the same vein of the united states of america braggadocious we win we're gonna beat you thailand 13 to nothing for no apparent reason mm -hmm. and watching people going like yeah it's right finally you got what's yours Man, it doesn't take very much for you to go from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. And the higher in popularity you go, 
man, that fall down in any capacity, in any space is that much harder. And for many people, it's that much sweeter. Yeah. So my next hot take is related to all of that builds on that. And it's really, so I started running in the past year. So that's given me a little bit more perspective on watching track and field. And so I'm watching these athletes run and I looked it up today, the world record, the men's world record for 5,000 meters. So 5k is about 12 minutes <laughs> and a what? few seconds. It's like, okay. it, it's 12. That's, it's ugh. Yeah. So, I mean, I, which you go, okay, like 12 minutes, like seems fast. But then when you, for anybody who actually runs, you go, holy crap. Like, I can run 5K, sure, but like I'm really happy when I get like a sub 30 minute 5K. Like, I mean, I'm not a fast runner, right? but I mean, even like the people I know who are good are like, hey, if we can get ours in and under like 20, that'd be great. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's like a really good time. It's like low 20s. And you're like, that's another eight minutes, 10 minutes off of that, which is. I don't even know how to do that. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I mean, some of the, like these times are ridiculous. I, we were, I was watching the end of the decathlon this morning. It was 1500 meters. And, um, he ran it in like 433 um and you're like four minutes and 33 seconds 1500 meters you're like oh, that's not bad but you realize that's that's a kilometer and a half so if you're going to run if you were going to run a 30 minute 5k you'd be averaging just about six minutes per k so mm. that's like that's you know 433 is for a kilometer and a half is way faster than you know the average person is running and that's at the end. That's at the end of the decathlon. That's the tenth event in two days that these athletes have done. And they're like, "Yeah, I've, I've got a four thirty-three in me." <laughs> I, I love the decathlon so much. Yeah, like I, like, I love it. Good. Well, I just like 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 the the the. the to me, the decathlon, and not that this is supposed to be a sports pod. We'll try to. We'll, we'll don't worry. We'll get to some other hot hot goss. I feel like, oh my gosh, he's talking about sports, like. The Olympics, the Olympics, guys. though, the Olympics aren't real sports. They're like, like not like, not like, you know what I mean? Careful, like, careful. No, no. That, I mean, that might I mean, be the hottest take. The Olympics are the sports that everybody watches, regardless of whether they're into sports or not. Yeah, because... like I'm, I'm watching rifle shooting. Why? I don't know. <laughs> but like, I love the decathlon because to me, the decathlon is like the actual quintessential Olympics. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like when I think of Greek mythology, when I think of you know, how the Olympics began. Like I, I'm, I've always been a nerd for that sort of stuff. Like the decathlon is like, sort of like, who is the best of all of us in all of these sort of things, right? As opposed to like, you, you are a singular, you're good at the 50 meter freestyle swim. Like, this is like, can you do all of these things? Who's the best of all yeah. of us? Who's the greatest athlete of all of us? Now, can, can, can any of those 10 or 15 men or the pentathlon for women beat Usain Bolt in the 100 meter no no like Usain's smoking Usain's smoking you now like easily but like to be able to have this collection of stuff like and to have the the stamina to do all these sort of things throughout like for these 10 different events like I can barely you know shoot a paper paper um ball into a basket into a waste paper waste paper basket while saying Kobe like 10 times in a row and these guys like I'm just gonna shot put because I can I was going to high jump because I can like, it's, it's freaking incredible. It's incredible. It's incredible. But I mean, I mean, Damian Warner ran a 10.22 in the hundred meters, which I, I mean is 10.22 in the hundred meters would 
there were guys who just run the hundred meters who were running 10.22 in their heats. So it's not, it's not impossible. It's him, you know, you know what, here's maybe what we do. Maybe we kind of like, we pivot these things into, into pastoral leadership thoughts. Cause here's, here's my little, here's my little thing. Like it's okay to be a generalist as opposed to being specific. It's okay to be generalist and be able to be really good at a lot of things as opposed to being like, I need to be good at this one thing. Mm. It's okay to kind of like be like, no, I'm, I'm actually really good at it. I, I could, if I wanted to specifically focus on the hundred meters or the 200 meters, but you know what? Like, I like doing all sorts of stuff and to be able to kind of like be like, okay, I'm just going to focus on all these things and have an accumulative, accumulative story as opposed to like this is my lone focus like so it's really cool i can be the fastest man in the world or i can be the greatest athlete in the world i think that's pretty cool and knowing that i could be the fastest man in the world if i wanted to like that's a flex i could be like i could be the greatest high jumper of all time but i'm good though i'd rather be the greatest athlete i'll take it it's all good that's crazy i mean his his long jump was good enough his best long jump in the decathlon was good enough to have gotten bronze in the long jump competition on its own which is crazy yeah, but back to my original point about this before we got into the decathlon. And so I, what I was thinking about as I was look, looking at these people doing these times, and, and I, I do it as much as anybody else. You know, you'll be watching the event and, you know, I'm cheering for people from Canada. And, you know, sometimes there's a favorite, uh, you know, whether you're cheering for the soccer team or so the Canadian basketball team, women's basketball team, for example, you know, they didn't, mm. they didn't achieve what we wanted them to achieve. Right. And so it's easy to kind of get upset and be like, why? Why? You know, and, and we we armchair quarterback. We you know we 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 sit there and we're like, hey, this is what they should have done differently. And if only, and why why didn't you do this better? Um, and it's I, it's just really easy. It, it made me realize like it's really easy to be super critical of other people who are actually doing things at a level that we personally cannot to. cannot cannot get close to. Yeah, and, you know, and I mean, and, and we do it in sports all the time. We do it in, we do it in politics. It's really, really easy to sit here and criticize the decisions that our governments make about different things and our political leaders make about different things because those aren't decisions that we actually have to be making. We don't have to be doing that. We don't have to um, figure out how to move us out of, you know, move us into a new normal and manage, you know, the potential of a fourth wave and all the different things that have to be managed or, you know, our public health leaders and the things that they're trying to do. And it's also super easy to do in, in church world. It's easy to do it if we're sitting in our, in our church and the pastor's there. And I mean, it's easy to be critical of what the decisions that they're making and what they're doing. But it's also really easy for us who are already in church leadership to sit there and look at people who are leading other churches or yeah. other ministries and be like, well, here's all the things that they're doing wrong. And here's how I would be doing it better, especially if they're... If, and this often is easiest comes easy to us if their church is bigger than ours, or they have more Instagram followers, or they have more, um, you know, they have more a bigger platform than we do. And it's just real easy to be like, well, actually, and it's like, but we're not there. Yeah. And you know, and they're doing things that, you know, maybe we can't do, or we're not we're not in a position to do. And for me, it's just a reminder, right? Like it it's really easy to be like, oh man, he should have ran harder in that last hundred meters or whatever on that race. And it's like, he ran at 5k in like 12 and a half minutes. Yeah. Like, I, I, like that's tw- more than twice as fast as I could run it to begin with. And I'm like 
nitpicking his form on the last little bit. And it, I, I think we just all need to take like a little bit of humility. It makes you realize, right? I mean, there's the meme about how, you know, every Olympic sport should have like a regular person doing it. I haven't shared that one yet. I haven't figured out a way to share that one yet. But yes. Like, yeah. Just so you have like, you know, that perspective of like, Oh, that's how long a real person takes to swim 50 meters. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they've been out of the pool and they've yeah. showered already. And like the person's still finishing. <laughs> well, I think the, I think the, um, the, you know, um, J Cole has a song on his new album, surprise the devil. And it's, it's so true. And he walks through the, this first verse of like how like it like you would think it's like a Lecrae song at some points, right? Until little baby comes and you're like, no, it's not anymore. But like this idea of like, like it's so tempting to think that you can do anything. And one of the things I'm trying to do is I'm trying to, you know, when I'm when I'm not just kind of like spilling tea or whatever else, I'm trying to ask more questions than make statements. Mm. I'm trying to ask so. Like I'm, I'm trying to ask the people directly who are like, so why did you, mm-hmm. how did you, so it's the, the church is doing like, why did you choose to do that? As opposed to emailing them, like it gained, like there used to be this guy, man. Oh my Lord. At uh, one of the churches I used to work at. And he would be in the lobby afterwards, after a sermon that when our lead pastor or associate pastor, where else was preaching. And he would say, well, if I was preaching it, I would have also mentioned like who the <laughs> hell are you helping? Like then go out there and do it then. Like how come you're not in the game doing it? Talk about well, your home you know, different things, and I'm you know God's called me to be spiritual sandpaper. No, He didn't. You're just you're you're a disgruntled person who thinks you can do this thing. Then get up there and go and go in there and do it. Go in there and do it. And when people start glazing their eyes over because you talked about something else that no one like, then you know. You know what I mean? But like you're out here like on these streets talking, talking that like, yo, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, man, you have no clue. And so like even the the person who finishes last in a race Mm -hmm. in any of these things or last whatever can outmaneuver you in any day of the week. The person who is just this normal individual who thinks like if I, if I, if I, if I was coaching, if I was, they could outdo you in everything. And so this idea of the hubris, the hubris that we kind of, that I I earlier talked about with the Americans, we all have it. They just happen to be louder about their Mm. hubris than the rest of us. Mm. But I, I, I agree with you hundred percent like this, like this, a little, like, that humble pie isn't a bad thing. These are people at the height of, they had to go through, when I say trials, I don't mean trials and tribulations, like actual Olympic trials and national trials to get to where they are. They are the best in their countries competing against other best in other countries. They mm. are the upper echelon of whatever. These are not people who were found on YouTube singing and like, we like your look. These are people who actually worked really hard to get to where they are. Mm-hmm. And there's a little bit of luck involved in that. There's a little bit of serendipity involved. There's a little bit of wind resistance on that given day and the, and the heat on the track or the key in the pool. There's a lot, but ultimately they're better than both of us combined. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like the person who's able to clean, uh, clean and jerk 400 pounds worth of weight over their head. All my muscles are for vanity, Eric. They're all for vanity. They're all for vanity. I'm not out here on these streets trying to lift up 400 pounds and bust up my neck. That ain't happening. I'm just saying. I agree. Everything you're saying in your hot take, I agree with 100%. The last thing I'll add to this hot take and then we can transition it is, like, I think it's important that humility comes from 
beginning to understand how much work it is to do the things that mm-hmm. these people do or, or, or anybody does, right. Is, is we see the tiniest tip of the iceberg. We see, you know, they're running the hundred K it takes under 10 seconds. And yeah, you know, but that has been, it's been years, years, decades of work to get to that point. I mean, like just training schedules that we can't even begin to imagine diet, you know, diet plans and, and care for their body and a whole regimen. They've been traveling. They've been away from their families. They've been doing all these things that they have, you know, I, I, we, we joke, I mean, Chris Middleton is one of my least favorite basketball players, but he's over there in Tokyo. And, um, uh, Greg Popovich was talking about, you know, sacrifices that his players were making to be there. And he said, you know, like Middleton, he just won, you know, the NBA championship and then kind of hopped on a plane and his wife had a baby like the day before he left. And like he, Pop was talking about like, you know, what a sacrifice he made to be there. And he stopped himself and was kind of like, actually, it's probably his wife who made the real sacrifice there. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you, you know, but I mean, you see these families watching at home and you realize like, yeah, I mean, these people have kids. You see DeGrasse, you know, talking to his kids on, on Zoom and you're like, man, like, like all of this goes into the, and, and, and all of that happens alone and there's no guaranteed payoff, right? I mean, there for every... For every athlete who makes the Olympics, there's, you know, a hundred more in their home country who's been working to get to that same point who didn't make it, mm-hmm. you know, who isn't quite good enough, but they've been putting the hours, they've put in the work and we're sitting here at home sipping our latte being like, what you doing? Yeah. So, so that leads me to, I don't know if this is a hot take, I'm going to toss it to you because this leads me to a conversation that you and I have been having and we know other people have been having about there's a podcast out right now called the rise and fall of Mars Hill. And mm-hmm. it's about um, Mars Hill church in Seattle, not the Mars Hill in Grand Rapids with Rob Bell, the Mars right. Hill in Seattle <laughs> with um, Mark Driscoll, a little bit different though. They came up at the same time and there was kind they of did, a like, which, which Mars Hill are you kind of, they, which they, they, are you they were the bad boy and uh, death row records of, of Christianity. <laughs> In the early 2000s. In the early 2000s. Um, but it's a podcast about everything that went down at Mars Hill and an uh, expose of Mark Driscoll and the culture there. And, you know, you and I are both listening. We are both enjoying the spilling of the tea. There's mm-hmm. not a ton that we didn't already know about yeah. in broad strokes. It's probably a little bit just more detail. Um, but is there an element in that of us sitting there sipping our lattes, listening to the podcast, being like, um, well, we, we would have done that better or differently? Or, you know, are we armchair quarterbacking? Is that why we're listening? Why are we listening? What are we learning? I don't know. Well, I think you and, you and I, we, we have the reason why we get along so well is because we have similar sensibilities. We, um, you know, for two people who have never been in the same room together, we have very similar senses of humor. Uh, we see things, even when we see things differently, we're, we have a, 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 a deep understanding of why the other person sees something a certain way. We, it's just, it's uncanny. And, you know, and we both, we both enjoy a good laugh. We both enjoy, um, I don't want to say we, we enjoy the tea because sometimes the tea comes with a cost, but we enjoy, we enjoy the process of the story. And, I think that I know for me personally, when I kind of put off listening to the to the podcast because everybody was talking about it, and I was like, okay, I want to be I want to be that guy. I'm gonna listen to this one because everyone wants to listen to. It. I want to listen to something different. 
Um, and then it was it was Rebecca, my wife, who was like, this is really good. And unlike our choices of Netflix shows, I was like, if you're talking about podcasts and I love podcasts, I'll listen to this. And it didn't take long for me to be like, oh man. So let's, we can talk about a couple of things. One, the production value of this thing is fantastic. It is like, like we know our, we know what we want to do, that sort of thing. Like the production value of it is, is sky high. Secondly, like the, the said, production the value is the production value of the podcast is like the twelve minute five hundred. Yes, like you no, know, and and we're and we're sitting here running a we're sitting here running a thirty. 30 anybody minutes. can do it. No, no, some people can do it better than you. Acknowledge, give your flowers, pay homage, that sort of thing, right? Like everyone's not going to be Kendrick or Drake, right? Sure. Most people are just going to be a YouTube. Even rapper. Drake's not Kendrick. Ooh, now that's a hot take. That's a hot take. Someone's <laughs> gonna get you in the DMs for that. But like, but more than than that, you said a lot of this is already public knowledge. It's 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 public knowledge. It's not like these are not things that were hidden. For from a general perspective, most of this most of this information, um, Mark Driscoll's use of of manipulating stats for books or his his style of leadership or the abuses. A lot of these things we were in his sermons were were and were were championed and were cheered um i think my reason for listening is i'm at the age and stage of my life where i'm like how much of what he has he sorry uh correct myself how much of what the marshall story has um that we're being told has permeated itself into actual church culture now Mm. we are living in and if you listen to our show previous previous season we had a church to church to me too conversation and then we had an us two conversation and we are living a day and age now where things that were tolerated and kind of even laughed at or championed five six years ago are not anymore mm-hmm. and so listening to this some i almost did this podcast now going how much of this is a microcosm of the evangelical church now how much of this relates back to the Southern Baptist Convention? How much of this relates back to Pentecostal churches that you and I know that have had abusive leadership for years and men and women have been like, well, they're self-governing. We can't get in there talking about tea. How much of this has been, how much of this has just been leaders who have been manipulative or men or women who have been manipulative and have been able to kind of skirt the the discipline because they they know how to resign before it hits the fan so i'm listening to this going like yeah there's tea being spilled but i already knew that but i also know that there are people who are doing the exact same thing and getting away with it just like mark did because of the results and then and you know we're talking about this off air the amount of people maybe this is the conversation for us to have the amount of people who are like foaming at the mouth at how great the tea is versus mm-hmm. the amount of people who are kind of like, oh, we shouldn't be talking about this out loud. No, one, this is their problem. Like, how do you, like, like, how do you feel about that when you're listening to the podcast? Because I'm, I'm an episode ahead of you at this time of recording. There's now six episodes out. I listened to the sixth one two days ago. You haven't listened to it yet. But on my Facebook wall, I, I put a small little post. Maybe it was probably, I think it was eight words. The rise, the rise and fall of Mars Hill. That's the that's the post. More than that, whatever. 
blah, blah, blah. A few words. There was a, a few, few words, words, a few words. I'm a man of few words, as you can tell by this long soliloquy. Um, but, and just watching people kind of respond to those 10, 11 words. And the mix of like, I'm so happy this is coming out versus I don't know if I can listen to it. I'm, I'm reserving judgment on how I feel about this. I don't know if we should be talking about this at all. This is a them, a them problem, not an us problem. Matthew 18, Matthew 18, Matthew 18. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see this because this is an audio podcast, but Eric's, Eric's literally, his upper, his, his traps and his shoulders were like at his ears before he sighed very longly. <laughs> I, I hear what people are saying on this. Like I, I get the impulse of like, do we really need as a church, as the church, as Christians, is it doing us any good to air our dirty laundry like this? But I don't, I don't buy that for a second. Like I, I'm like, we've been burying our dirty laundry for so long. Right. And, that, and that's, and that's just what gets us into these messes in the first place. I mean, you hear it in the podcast, right? You know, the stories that don't get told of, um, you know, Mark Driscoll used the phrase, you know, pile of bodies behind the bus, right? But the bus keeps going. And it's like, we just don't talk about it. We don't deal with that because look at the things that are being produced right now. And I think, I right. think one of the things that's helpful about the podcast is it makes you que- question because we often justify things about, well, the fruit of this ministry or this person is good. Like, you know, right. look at all the positive things that are happening. They're having success. People are coming to faith. People are joining the church. It must be okay. And that justifies all the harm that's happening. And I think, it, you know, the podcast raises the question of, do we need to start having a different rubric, right? It's like, is success in itself the rubric that we need to be looking at? Or is it like, is there, or do we need to be looking at what is the harm that is also being caused? And if this person in this ministry is causing harm, then regardless of whatever success comes out on the other end, we need to actually, this doesn't, it doesn't justify it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like the goal should not be like, oh, I want to create a successful ministry. The, the goal should be, I want to, I want to create and no a ministry that doesn't do harm. And if that leads to success, wonderful. But that's not the point. Like, and so I, I, to me, it's like you listen to it to begin to look at that, and and that we need to start having honest accounting for this because you and I both know this. Like the number of things that are red that were red flags at Mars Hill that are red flags in any number of churches or denominations or Christian organizations that we know of, you go, yeah, I see that in all sorts of places, like is, is somewhat alarming. <laughs> yeah. And so if you say, Oh, okay. Like when these things pop up and popped up in this situation, this is what it eventually led to. Then that needs makes me go like, okay, in these situations, we need to be talking about them more and addressing them more and bringing it to light and, and dealing with them, not just burying our dirty laundry. And the, the idea of the, the scary thing about burying, and here's the thing, we're, we you know over the course of summer, it's, it's gotten quieter, unfortunately, but prior to us going on summer vacation, respectfully, um, we had a whole conversation about residential schools and literal bodies being found that were mm-hmm. buried in unmarked graves. Mm-hmm. And things only stay buried for so long. Buried by churches, by the way. Right, right. And so for for us to kind of 
push these things aside to say like, oh, we, we, we just got to like, it's, it's an internal thing. The battle belongs to the Lord. Justice is, justice is the Lord's in, in, this, in this life or the next. It robs people of their dignity. It robs people of the ability to experience, this gets sound very charismatic, true freedom. Mm-hmm. It's, it robs them of the ability to actually know that their story and their struggle has an end. But you mentioned a word that stood out to me, the word fruit. And Rebecca and I, we had a whole conversation about what fruit actually is. Because, you know, we have the term fruits of your labor. Mm-hmm. And we, we often will, will uh, equate, will often equate the idea of, well, if there are baptisms, that's the fruit of the lead pastor. If there are salvations, that's the fruit of the lead pastor. If there are, if there's growth, that's the fruit of the lead pastor. And I struggle with that because if, the church is a group of people working together to do things. Yes, you have a lead pastor, he or she, who gets up on a Sunday to talk for a couple of minutes. But if you're building your life on a brand, and if a brand is a person, is that just fruit or is that just result of work? Like, shouldn't a growing church, a healthy church have baptisms? Shouldn't a healthy church, regardless of who the person is at the helm, have strong marriages and strong discipleship? But when you start putting things on the shoulders of people, people either crash to the pressure and they get themselves into trouble or they crash into the pressure because they they believe their own hype and they believe their own hubris or they build a fortress around themselves. Like it never really, it never really goes well. I mean, the only, like, like it just, it doesn't end well. And so watching people talk about like, oh, well look at the, like, you know, was like, look at the fruit that they did. It's like, maybe we, maybe we have a whole broken idea of what fruit actually looks like. I don't know. Like I, I'm, I'm, I might be talking, talking. Well, no, I, I, that makes sense because right. I mean, I think what you're getting at is that, a lot of the things that we tend to see as fruit of by fruit, we really mean success. You know, that these are the markers of success of a, of a, what we see these mark a healthy growing church community. Um, but the markers we tend to use for that are like, are more people attending? Are more people listening to the podcast? Are more people being baptized? Is giving up? Are we expanding? Are we planting new sites, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the fact of the matter is, is that like a lot of that doesn't require any special, um, it's not necessarily a sign of um, particular favor from God, but mm-hmm. is honestly just like um, usually a sign of the competency of the people who are leading and their, and their charisma. Um, because if you have competent, charismatic people, then you often tend to have successful organizations. Right. Built around them, at least at least to start. And I think what the podcast gets at, and what I I see is, you know, that what we often do in churches is we will um, is we will prioritize competency over character. Mm. And if somebody is able to produce results because of their competency, we will Ignore. continue to give them larger and larger platforms. 
um, because obviously they're being successful. So we need to learn from that. And we don't actually really dig into what sort of person is this. And people end up with platforms that are bigger than their character. And I mean, I, I, I will say this, I am personally, I have a very, I don't, I don't have a very platform. I mean, our listener numbers for this podcast tell us, you know, that our, our platform is, is smallish and that's great. Um, you know, and, and I mean, I don't have a ton of followers on social media or whatever. I have a relatively small platform. Um, it's bigger now than it was 10 years ago, but I'm also like really grateful that my platform 10 years ago wasn't the size that it is now as small as it is now, because I did not have, you know, both either, you know, my character was not yet fully formed. My thinking was not yet formed to the point where it is now. I, I, you know, I wouldn't have been able to lead well in that. And I mean, I'm grateful that I don't have, I haven't had a bigger platform than I've had because I don't necessarily know that I would know what to do with it or that I would handle it well, you know, and, and, but, but that hasn't stopped me from wanting a bigger platform at times. Mm. (laughs) You know, I mean, I can be, I can be both be aware of that and still like, and still crave it. Like I'm not not saying I'm immune to that in any way, but I think that's the thing, right. Is, Is as individuals, it's actually really hard for us to say no to a platform that's bigger than we know our character is. Like we, we, we don't, we, we do not self-regulate that well at all. And so actually it is, it does need to be, uh, we need to have people around us who can speak to that um, and, and say that. And, and honestly, the, the churches, the organizations, the leaders who do sort of gatekeep these platforms, like, I don't know. Like, I, I, think, I think there's a responsibility there that we often let people get away with. Like, it's easy to throw stones at Mars Hill and say, oh, well, Mark Driscoll, whatever. But like every, made, pretty much every major evangelical platform invited Mark Driscoll to be on it. Boom. My, my friend, uh, Troy Matchett, he's not a listener of the show, but it, I'll, I'll, give him a, I'll give him a shot anyhow. He wrote on my Facebook wall, whose fault is Mars Hill? And he wrote, Simple words, we're all to blame. Hmm. And that that struck me, not in a negative tone, but like struck me as like, he's right. He's right. Like we, 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 the collective evangelical sphere, we loved him. Remember, remember this. We talked about this, you know, like the there were two Mars Hills at the exact same time. Mars Hill, Grands Rapid, Michigan, Mars Hill, Seattle, Mars Hill, Rob Bell, Numa all this sort of stuff, all these videos and cool packaging. And then this firebrand old school William Wilberforce sort of like fire and brimstone preacher on Seattle, you know, like, and, and it was kind of like, like I said, like I jokingly, but like, are you team Biggie Smalls and Puff Daddy? Are you team Suge Knight and Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre death row, bad boy records? Who, who, who are you? I mean, I, I don't want to put, the label of Biggie on either one of those guys, but you but just kind of <laughs> yeah. explain it. Rob Bell writes a, a book about the possibility that God's love is bigger than eternal damnation. Mm-hmm. What if he's not saying a definitive, he's saying, what if we have it wrong? What if there's more? And before the church was canceling anybody else, before cancel culture was even a term, Rob Bell was out mm-hmm. on his ass. We don't want you anymore. We don't want to hear you anymore. You can't preach anymore. 
We're not inviting you to our things anymore. We're going to write position papers and books about what you wrote about. You're done. Quoting Andrew Jones, House Comedy Show, you're done. You're done. You're done. Meanwhile, at the exact same time, Driscoll's getting more platforms, bigger places, bigger spaces, all this sort of stuff he's able he's able to do all of these sort of things. While he's being actively misogynistic, actively, actively. abusive, actively, actively homophobic, actively, actively. like and, and, and not and, and not secretly. Like these are things that in are being front of people in front of people books on his platforms. Yes. Like you could like again, it's all public record. You could find this stuff. And it tells you what we value. It tells you what we value. We we value. Um, we don't. We don't like thinking. Mm. We don't like thinking outside of our 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 way of being under the guise of this is what Jesus would want us to do. We think more like Paul than we do like Jesus. Take out however you want. And it's just funny to me watching people respond to all of this sort of stuff. Literally, it really feels like you're st- again. We're still choosing between we're choosing between two Mars hills, two ways mm. of doing Christianity. And we only canceled oh, canceled. Sorry, the wrong word. Like Mark only got his coming up comeuppance when it became too much to handle. When he became bigger than, but he had people around him who were kind of like either they were too afraid or they're benefiting from from him they were writing books too they were writing his coattails they were being like him and so they had a lot to lose by him not being that dude man one of my favorite netflix shows in the past couple of years is narcos story mm-hmm. of pablo escobar and every nobody had a problem with pablo for the longest time until pablo got too big for the other cartels and what they do, they took him out and they divided, divided the load. Same thing happened with Mark Driscoll. We had no problem putting him on different platforms, putting him on different platforms, putting him on different platforms, having him write books, having him here, having him there until his star became too big. And it's like, well, we can't have this anymore. And pew, 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 it's a wrap. Now he's still doing his thing in now Phoenix and doing the exact same stuff and getting into even more trouble and blah, blah, blah. But there are people who followed him from Seattle to there mm-hmm. and who are still championing him there. So my hot take is, and I put this on my Facebook wall the next day and there was a, little, a lot less commentary on this one, was why do people continue to support this? Why do people continue to go to churches that no longer quietly or secretly, but like out loud, have a reputation of destroying people and being manipulative and being abusive. Why do people do this? That's been my hot take, my hot take question for the summer. It's like, why do people allow themselves to see truth and be like, nah, it's not for me though. I'm going to be the one to fix it. I mean, and you take that from masks and COVID regulations to racial unrest, gender unrest, to this sort of stuff, go like, that's what I talk about, like this, this micro macro, like it's such a bigger sort of conversation, but ultimately like we, the consumer of, of Christian content, we're as much to blame for the Mars Hill story because we made a choice. We chose one Mars Hill over the other one. We chose one. We, ch- we chose to say like, you're right. 
And so you're, we're going to watch the Elephant Room DVDs, and you're going to be the, we're going to, we're going to appoint you to be the policer of Christian content and theology and orthodoxy and orthopraxy. We're going to do this. And now we're like, oh my God, like, I can't believe this happened. I think, I think that's such a big point, though, right? Is it's like, why one Mars Hill over the other? And it was like, well, Mars Hill, Seattle, and Driscoll got to stick around for as long as they did because theologically they said they believed the right things to fit in certain clubs, mm-hmm. I mean, to fit in certain groups. So they were allowed on certain platforms because they said, because they, they, they espoused the right beliefs. Well, actively practicing things, not necessarily went against those beliefs, but that are actively harmful. But you can overlook that because, well, they believe the right things. Their, their theology about who is in and who is out and, and what happens after you die is correct in our estimation. So we're going to allow them to hang around here, even though they are demeaning to women and, you know, all the things. But Dude, imagine being, not to cut you off, sorry to cut you off, but like imagine being in a church where you're told if you're a woman, your job is either to be on your back to receive children, be on your back to push out children, or be on your feet taking care of children. And that's the best thing that you can do for the world. When you're actively being told that you, can't, you shouldn't have a job, to be in leadership in the church, that you, you should not be working outside the home as a woman. To be told, if your husband says, service me, that's, yeah, that's, that's your role. And 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 let and and here let, let let me be that guy, and to not ask for reciprocation. Mm-hmm. What a world! What a time to be alive! Sorry, I cut you off to say that. Okay. I, I had to get it out. I will say this about the podcast too: it is peak peak evangelical Christian culture that they will do an entire episode on the um, demeaning teachings about women with like pretty explicit conversations about sex and all of this. And they, they say at the beginning of the episode, like, oh, like, you know, there's a content warning for kids. But they bleep out the swear words, but they have the whole conversation about sex. Yeah. Like, I'm like, why are we bleeping out the word asshole? <laughs> oh, <laughs> but, Eric, what is curse word for the season? Let's go. You're... But like, I mean, it, it's, it's in the, it's in the, like the, the, not that even the trailer, like the, the theme song of the show is like a person being bleeped out right. saying that word. Also, the, like, the theme song is fantastic. Oh, it's so good. King's Kaleidoscope is excellent on that. It's fantastic. Um, but, but it's like, why are, you obviously like feel it's okay to like put it in there and like everybody knows what's being said, but you got to beep it out. But then we're going to have a serious conversation about oral sex over here and rape culture and all of this. But like, like just don't beep the word then. Like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, what, like are, what, gonna, are, what are we trying to go? If we're like, going to go, go. Just go. Yeah, like, yeah. like, like, we're just having an adult conversation here. These are the words that adults sometimes use around this. Like, I, yeah. I just don't, I don't know what, like, there's a conversation about prostate massage. Like, <laughs> but we're beating out this word. I don't. Fantastic. It, it, we're so, the things that we think are okay or not okay, it, it's just, it's really We don't know funny. what to do with ourselves. We don't know what to do with ourselves. I but cut you finish, off, I apologize. To finish my earlier point was just that, you know, because Mark Driscoll held the right beliefs, then a lot of his actions were overlooked. Mm-hmm. But because somebody like Rob Bell proposed beliefs that didn't fit in with 
within that within the safe categories then you know then he couldn't be a part of it regardless of whether he you know was doing the right things in his personal life or not right and it's like you know i mean there's never been anything come up about rob bell that i know of so um i mean i'm not this isn't a defense of rob bell in any way or an example of but just saying like you know like you could overlook it in one scenario I, i mean we're and i guess where I'm like, we need to be listening to podcasts like this is because, and we need to be talking about these stories because this is just continuing. It's ongoing. I mean, literally this morning, the news came out that Brian, Brian Houston, Houston is being charged um, for not um, reporting um, information about what his father who sexually molested children. Um, now, again, now, Brian Houston, just to clarify, Brian Houston is the CEO lead pastor of Hillsong Church worldwide yes um and his father who founded hillsong church um abused kids and that came out it became known later and so there's some question about whether brian reported it properly when he first knew or um and again this is something that has been basically common knowledge within church circles forever um this isn't new but these things are starting to be addressed. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens out of that. But again, if the culture of a church is built on the idea of, well, we buried this stuff and mm-hmm. we're not, you know, like, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Um, like, I, so I think we need to be having more podcasts like this, or at least having more conversations like this, because when we just bury this stuff, it, it, we just keep saying it just keeps coming. It comes out eventually. It comes out eventually. It has to be dealt with. And, you know, I, I think part of it too is you look at something like the 12 step program. And if you're going to make amends for something, if you're going to, if you're going to make it right, like part of that is taking responsibility and, and the taking responsibility is actually actively being able to name the harms that you've done to other people. And if it's just like, Oh, well, bad stuff happened back here, but we're, it's time to move on, forgive and move forward. It's like, no, like we actually need to name the things that have happened, recognize why they happened, identify that and say, here are, here are the ways that we are going to do differently going right. forward. Because that's what repentance is, is to actually do it differently going forward. It's not just like feeling bad, like, oh, like what happened to those people at Mars Hill was really, that really sucked. And we hope that never happens again. But if we haven't figured out why it happened and what were the things that we need to do differently going forward, then it will just happen again. And it does. And we we live in it like we live in a different day and age now than the the height of Mars Hill, right? Like now we have platforms to kind of show off our character, mm. or to show off bits and pieces of our character that we want people to see. We are we're able to curate cal- a ca- character, mm. right? So if I show a happy picture of my wife and I, then obviously then they're a happy couple. If I show, you know, oh, they're so cute. They're so cute. Matching oh, picture of, of my of my kids, and we're all wearing this. And this is not sh- taking a shot. Before someone's like, oh, "I do that." Shut up. Relax. You know, this is not me. You know, like, but if I put a, a picture of you know Ellie and Liam and a Bible in front of them, they're like, "Oh, look at him raising his kids. He's raising his kids in the way of the Lord." And you know, if I have a picture of the four of us in prayer together, all this sort of stuff. Like one, have you thought about the fact that like, do you have somebody taking a picture of you? Do you have a tripod? Do you have a, do you have a drone? Like, a how timer. are you getting these perfectly curated pictures of you guys like in, right? 
the pictures only tell one part of a story and we're able to actually curate or fake character. And a buddy of mine, I used to have this, this line between each other say, Instagram lies all the time. Mm. Instagram lies all the time. And that's not, that's not, you know, your own, you, the listener, the listeners know your own curated stuff. You know, your, you know, your life, whatever. But like, we can't pretend like because someone shows character that they have character. Mm. Because someone shows these pieces of, they did their devotions this morning because they take a picture of their Bible and a bowl of oatmeal beside it and a coffee, that they're, that it's actually being lived out in, in their lives. And the scary thing, scary, but like the thing to pay attention to in this whole Marceau stuff is that like, if this has been 2019, 2020, Mark had been putting up all these great pictures or or let's sorry, let's not focus on him. Any pastor could be putting up any pictures mm-hmm. to show that like everything's great. And we don't know that that one, it took them 15 pictures to get that perfect picture. And two, there might be cracks in the surface, which is why they're putting the pictures up. And so it goes back to what you said earlier, to have people around you. People like so hopefully we do this for one another, you and I. Yeah, you're 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 BSing. Right, mm-hmm. like you have people in your life to kind of go like, how are you actually really doing? Mm-hmm. Are you reading scripture? Are you spending time? At, are you? How's your life? How's your? Has your? And who will? And who will? Who's your? Like, basically, who's your Nathan? Who's the Nathan in your life to say you're that man? Mm-hmm. And not you're that man as in you're the man, but you're that guy. You're actually that dude. Yeah, it's actually you are the very person that you're preaching against. You're actually that that person am i the asshole yes yes you are <laughs> yeah like <laughs> ding 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 ding, ding. <laughs> but like because now we live in a day and age where you know yeah like you can you can you can fake it until you can fake it until you make it to that platform that you so desperately crave and you have even more desperation to get there because it fits the brand it fits you the brand that you're trying to trying to create and the flip side to that is airing out all of your dirty laundry on social media in order to have this sort of like this um, fighters sort of like, yeah, man, they just tell everything, man. They're so real. They're so real. They're so real. And that too can be fabrication just, mm-hmm. to, kind of, just to kind of cover the base of being real because that's what the world needs right now. And it's, it's such a delicate dance because – we're all desperate for not only we just for content in terms of videos, movies, and music, we're desperate for content from one another too. Mm-hmm. Comparatively, to say like, I'm better or worse than, inspirationally, I need to be like them. And ultimately, pride is the devil. Mm-hmm. Pride is the devil. And so we have like it's it's valuable. Like I hope that my only hope is that people who have been living under abusive leadership, abusive marriages, abusive families, whatever else, who have been able to listen to this podcast are able to have the courage to say no more and step away from these things, to step out into the unknown, who are able to hear and feel like their stories are validated because they're like, this is not a singular experience that only happened in my church or to me, that leaders... Like I've been listening to this podcast going, damn, I've done that a couple of times, haven't I? And looking at Becca and Becca going like, yeah, you did do that a couple of times going, oh shoot, okay, if that's, then I need to 
right? Like I'm, I'm hopefully paying attention to my life going like, before I start armchair quarterbacking this Marshall stuff, like there's a little bit of Mars Hill in me too. There's a little bit of hubris in me. There's a little bit of pride in me to want things a certain way and to like, how many, how many people are behind, behind my bus? Mm. How many, how many, how many bodies have I run over unknowingly? Because I, because youth pastor Chris needs something done a certain way or young adults, pastor Chris needs something done a certain way or communications, Chris, or traveling speaker, Chris need things done a certain way. Who was I willing, who was I willing to push aside so that I can secure a bag for a retreat or secure a bag for a camp? All of those sort of things. Like we all have that sort of hubris to think that, yeah, we're the shit. Mm. And to be reminded and kind of full circle back to the Olympics. They're like, no, there's always somebody better than you. There's always somebody better than you who can speak better, who can organize better, who can this better, that, but there's always somebody better than you. So deal with your jealousies, deal with your insecurities, because those things are going to pop up, boy. And when they pop up, it's, it's like, it's like a, it's like a zit on a first date. There's nothing you can do and you can't hide it. Yeah. And I think, I think it's not just about like, is there somebody better than you? I think at the end of the day, it's like, even if I won, am I, can I be happy with my, mm. can I be happy with myself and the way that I went about going to win? Cause I could win. And if I left a trail of bodies behind me, then, you know, did I lose my soul in the process? Right. To paraphrase. What is the profit of man? Right. Yeah. And so like, I, it, it's not even just about like, yeah, I mean, there's a humility and like, I mean, there's other people who are really good at all sorts of things and in whatever field I'm in, you know, there's somebody who's probably better than me. Um, but also just like that, that's not the goal necessarily is to be the best in a particular field, um, whether it's being a pastor or whatever. I don't even know what it is to be like the best pastor. I mean, that's I think just, at the, that's at a the, weird thing. Yeah. At the end of the day, I mean, it really is about like stats, sell stats, RBI figures. What's your, what's your, what's your whip? <laughs> what's your whip? Yeah. <laughs> so his, his, his ERA for, uh, for sermon, for, for sermon for salvation ratio is really high. Like he's, Look at how Eric just holds his Bible. Like you can tell he's in the pocket right now. Let's just, let's yeah. just observe this. <laughs> I mean, we joke, but like, yeah, no, that's fair. But, but like being people, you know, right. No, engage, no, you're right. Engagement numbers are engagement numbers. You're like, how long, how, you know, when this person talks, like how, how many people do we have engaged and for how long? What, what, right. how does it track? Like, I mean, we, we look at this stuff. It's not stuff that we don't ever pay any attention to because, we do um or who got more likes when they posted their blog or whatever right it's right. like oh like you know people look sometimes um but it's, it's like at the end of the day like do you feel good about how you did it do you feel like you did it the right way do you feel can you look yourself in the mirror at the end of the day and be like i did the best that i can and then can you going back to you know to the example of david again you know can you go back to can you, can you, do you ask that question, right? You know, God, is there anything in me that I haven't even noticed yet? Are there the things that I'm not thinking of that, in, you know, can you bring those to light? And if they are, then what does it mean for me to deal with those? And yeah, I'm with you. I mean, part of me is listening to the podcast going like, yeah, sometimes it hits a little close to home because it's like, I've thought that, or I've felt that, or I've, I, pro I definitely have, you know, there are definitely people that I've hurt in the process. And you know, what does it look for me 
not just to do different going forward, but you know, are there things there that I need to go back and fix? I don't know. But yeah, like I think in all this, right. It's, 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 we, we, we get ourselves out of it a little bit. We make ourselves feel better by pointing fingers at other people. You know, we can, it's easy. And I, that's where I get, I, I get the criticism of the podcast in that if all we're doing listening to the rise and fall of Mars Hill is to be able to point fingers at Mark Driscoll and Mars Hill and be like, well, they screwed that up. Well, you know, um, don't I feel good about how much better I'm doing? Then, then it's a problem, you know, in the same way that, you know, if I'm pointing at, if somebody's pointing at the women's soccer, U S soccer team and being like, well, look at how they screw that up, you know, losers. I mm-hmm. feel better about myself now. And it's like, you couldn't do what they did if you tried, Yeah, you know, and I, you know, it's just not possible. Um, so, you know, I think it gives you that sort of sense of perspective and, allows you to kind of place yourself a little bit. I, I think, I think it should actually, if you don't, if you don't listen to a podcast and come away feeling a little bit scared for yourself, even then I don't think you're listening to it. Right. And I agree with you a hundred. I, I agree with you a hundred percent. Yeah. I, yeah. The idea of the, the idea of, I, I don't want to sound trite when I say this, but like the holiness factor, the whole, the, the sense of like, like actual holy fear, like, oh my gosh, like, I don't want to do that. Cause we, we all become the very thing. I'm, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to one up your, your last word. I'm not trying to do that at all. Um, but you see, like, like we all become the very thing that we say we're never going to become. Mm-hmm. Right. We, you know, George Lucas, he makes, I was thinking about this the other day, George Lucas, he makes Star Wars as a rebellion against like studio companies at the time, <laughs> 1977. And then he sells, later on sells, the one of the biggest movie companies, Lucas, Lucas Films, for like billions of dollars to Disney. He be- and he jokes to himself about how he became the very thing that he despises. We ourselves, and this could get me in trouble, but that's okay. We work at a church for people who aren't into church. That, is the, that was the, sort of the, the beginning slogan of the place that we work. Yeah. And we have become a thought leader in terms of how to do church. The very thing that we thought, yeah, we're for other, like, no, we've become, we've now set a trend for what churches can be like. Yeah. We all become that. It happens naturally. It's the ebb and flow. And so to go back to what you said, if we're not listening to this kind of going, oh man, maybe I need to reevaluate things and constantly think about these things, then I agree with you hundred percent. We're listening to it wrong. If we're listening to it because we want tea or we're listening to it to to get a judgment call on stuff, then we're, we're listening to it for the wrong reasons. And we're listening, we're, we're, we're missing out on what it could be saying to us about us specifically and generally. I agree. And I think we've done like over an hour of hot takes and we didn't even talk about Kyle Lowry going to the Miami heat. We're, we're going to miss you, Kyle. We're going to miss you, Kyle. We're going to miss you, Kyle. Simple and plain greatest Raptor of all time. Greatest rapper of all time. Like, and, we, and you and and like, oh, okay, we'll say this. I think we'll close off in five minutes. Like, like you can say, I Vince is the most, the most important raptor of all time. We don't get for Canadian basketball. Yeah, yeah. right. Like he ushers in like the Canadian basketball players that you see now, um, Jamal, Shy, 
um, Chris Bouchard, all these, all these young, really exciting basketball players from Canada. Um, they happen because of Vince Carter dunk contest, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. DeMar is probably the most beloved sort of like, he will always be like that little brother sort of like we love him, but there is no grab. And then our greatest winner rental, whatever you want to call him, Kawhi Leonard, Kawhi Leonard comes in, we win a chip. The best player who's ever played for the Toronto Raptors is Kawhi. Yes. That's probably the better way. Best player who's ever played for the Raptors that, but you cannot, you would never convince anybody in the city now. This city, I live in Oshawa, like like outside the GTA. But you know what I mean, right? You you can count yourself in there. Five, it's fine. Five, six 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 six. Copies, the buildings don't stop between your house and the. Right. CN like we listen to Drake in our house. Um, six God, the Six God uh, has 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 a uh, not Dominion, but he has a a little bit of space here. But you cannot convince anybody in Ontario, especially in Toronto, that the greatest ra- the greatest Raptor of all time from bell to bell, Kyle Terrell Lowry. Greatest, and so ha- seeing him go off sucks. But I was reading an article about how, like, if, if he stayed, it would have stunted the growth of where the rappers were going to go next, and it wouldn't have done him any favor. It would have been like stat padding at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but nine years, multiple, like, 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 um, multiple, even conference wins, like in terms of, like the top team in the conference, playoff wins. Ran into LeBron four times. That sucks a lot. Um, and and but six time All Star, um, All NBA third team, and a championship. He brought a championship to the city. He's greatest. Any I, I don't know if you have any, any other thoughts about about them before we kind of close off shop here. My my thought was that he posted on Insta or social, you know, a, a thank you to the city of Toronto and to Canada and the team. And it was very Kyle Lowry that when he thanked Dwayne Casey, um, he threw in a little dig there about um, Dwayne harassing him about pull shooting. Three. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, and it's been like, what, three, three years now, four years. Yeah. And he's still like, Dwayne gave me a hard time. about my pull up threes. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> well, but but here, okay. And I wonder this, oh man. Like, I wonder to that point. I wonder, like, he's as far as I know, he's not a professing believer, not part of evangelical Christianity. But there is such a freedom for him to be able to say, like, yeah, that still bugs me. For us, kind of like you seem to forgive and move on and not bring that stuff up. Because in the past, he's like, no, that still bugs me. It motivates me, and it's funny now. And right. it's okay. And we kind of go like anything in the past is like, you can't talk about that ever. And he's like, bro, like I won a championship. That's my man. I love that dude. We're good. Like we got memories together. Yeah. A- and this, and this, and this still kind of irks me, but it's cool. It's all love. No one's going to even be bothered by this. It's just funny reading his stuff in light of that and going like, and juxtapositioning that with what we've been talking about our hot takes going like, oh man, we all know what we're doing. Yeah, I mean, well, I think it shows too that, that there's oftentimes people are in our lives or we have experiences for a particular season, right? And then, you know, and they can be hard and it can be a bit of a mess, um, but we grow out of it and we develop and we change and then we come out the other side and I think then eventually we can kind of look back, right? I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure Kyle was not thrilled when Dwayne gave him a hard time about 
his pull-up threes. threes all the time. Or, you know, I'm, that was a, probably a, a big issue. But, I mean, Kyle is also a better player and a better team leader because Dwayne Casey was his coach for all those years, and he learned a lot, and Dwayne helped him become a better better basketball player, a better person, and, and Kyle will say this. Um, and he probably doesn't win. Maybe he, he doesn't become the player he needs to be in order to win the championship with Nick Nurse and Kawhi, you know, be, without Dwayne. And Kyle right. would probably see it that way, right? He would, he, I think he said things to that effect, right? Like, you know, it's all part of the journey. At the same time, you don't have to like whitewash and be like, Dwayne Casey was my favorite coach ever. And that was the best time of my life. It was like, no, like it was this thing, but I'm grateful for it. It happened. Yeah. And you know, it, it's like, it's the everything belongs sort of thing. Like you don't, you don't need to change it, but you just need to recognize it for what it was, figure out what the good out of it and then carry that forward. And to, it, and to be fair too, he still did do some pull-up threes as well. And the pull-up three is now such a big deal in the NBA. We see that with Dame Lillard on Paul George. When anytime Steph Curry gets a little bit of space, Devin Booker does it. Kyle Lowry, not Kyle, I'm sorry, Kyrie Irving does it. Like, you know, Trey Young, Luka Doncic, like these guys, they do these things too. So it's also kind of like, like, thanks for that. But also earning the right to be able to say, yeah, but I think it's right in this moment as well. And so watching, watching Kyle, like take that tutelage and then adapt the tutelage and not just kind of say like, I'm never going to do this anymore, but like, okay, I get it. I get why. And I also know now with the amount of years, this, I could pull this off. I can pull this off now. I might not have been able to pull it off when I was 29, 31. I can pull it off at 33, 34. And so watching I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah, like I'm gonna miss him taking offensive fouls, like, 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 I know some defense, like, like offensive charges. I'm gonna miss that, like, just that tenacity. Hopefully, Freddie can can pull that in himself, but I'm gonna miss that, like, that, that legitimate pit bull. He was the engine and the heart of our team for for a number of years, and he was the the heart of our championship. Kawhi was the best player. You said it. Kawhi was the best player on our championship, but the heart of the championship team, Kyle Lowry, and. Man, like this, this, I remember when we lost DeMar and going like, oh, dang, like DeMar's our dude. We weren't going to win with him, but like we ride or die. And Kawhi is great, but we don't know. This actually like, and then when Kawhi left, you're kind of going like, well, we, yeah, it seemed a little too good to be true. That sort of thing. This actually is kind of like, oh, man. Oh, man. And we didn't get to say goodbye to him too. Like legitimately, like knowing like, to ha- clap him out at Scotiabank, knowing that was probably going to be his last game. We never got that opportunity because he was, you know, the Tampa Bay Raptors. So looking forward to whatever, watching that first game back. Oh, you know, we didn't talk about either. Like, like, in, like we didn't talk about the Jays being back in, in, in the dome, not the Rogers Center, the Sky Dome. And like, and how, how did you feel watching the opening ceremonies for the first home game back a couple weeks ago? opening ceremonies were fine. I think they did exactly what they were supposed to do. You know, it was, I, I, I was particularly impressed by the fact that it seemed like the players, I think it was impactful for them. Like, you know, that this feels like, Oh, like, yeah, we're finally, we're supposed to be where we are. Um, I mean, I do imagine it's been really hard playing baseball for like two years without like the actual people who cheer for you being mm-hmm. in the stands, um, you know, and actually having that advantage. I, I think, I'm not, it's a little early to say like um, if it's a thing thing, but I mean, they're five and one in the, in the dome since they've been back. So maybe that makes a bit of a difference. Um, 
I mean, they've been playing Cleveland and Kansas City, so that's not necessarily the top tier competition. They probably should be like four and two or five and one against those guys, but they did it. So that's that's good. Um, I mean, my Jay's hot take isn't really even a hot take. I mean, I think I think that they'll be that they're going to finish the season. They're either going to be the second wild card or they'll finish within like a game or two of it. I think they're going to be in it all the way down to the wire um, because I think a couple of teams ahead of them aren't very good. My super hot take that I might be wrong on is I think they'll actually finish ahead of Boston in the ALE standings. That's my that's my super hot take. But and I think with that, this episode's done. Because <laughs> <laughs> I might be gonna try, I might be gonna try to refute. I think it's gonna let that prayer go into the atmosphere. That's it. I'm I'm not saying I'm just saying like that would be I I think that's within the realm of possibility and a, a possible outcome that. I could see, foresee happening. And Lord haste the day when the Jays shall be sight. We say all this, and then they're going to play them this weekend and lose like three out of four to the Red Sox, and it's never going to happen. This will be your fault. We're going to edit that part out. <laughs> this has been the Chris Cent Eric Podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to leave a five-star review. You can catch up with me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. I'm at Eric for Slewis in all those spaces. And you can find me on all socials by simply searching the word that Chris Chase, one word. You can also find me with my goon squad putting in work at the House of Commons show on both YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Both Chris and I are regular contributors to the Meeting House blog. You can find the work that we do there at themeetinghouse.com slash blog. Special thanks goes out to CAT for providing the musical soundtrack for this podcast. You can hear more from CAT by finding them on Bandcamp or Metapop. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again next time.